Colonel Rob Manus has a lifelong record of providing dedicated service to this nation. Having worked his way up from the enlisted ranks to full colonel, he served our country for more than 32 years. He has served as a bomber squadron commander, bomb disposal technician, Joint Chiefs of Staff Operations Officer, assisted the National Security Team with the campaign plan for the global war on terrorism. He authored the first theater nuclear war plan and served as the Vice Commander of America's largest airborne intelligence wing. Colonel Rob Manus is a true American hero. This is Rob Manus Live. Some very shocking news to tell you. The FBI says that a pipe bomb almost killed Vice President Kamala Harris on January 6th, 2021, while she was at the Democratic National Committee headquarters building in Washington. The FBI says that the suspect, who is still outstanding, planted a pipe bomb just about right here outside the DNC. The FBI is urgently requesting that all of us think about who we might know who might have been acting suspiciously around then. Since January 5th, you may have noticed changes in someone you know. And report them. Any emotion you feel is inappropriate is worth reporting. And FBI is offering a half million dollar reward for information leading to the arrest of the perpetrator. And yet the person who was in charge of the FBI investigation now says Vice President Harris was never at risk and that the bomb couldn't have detonated while she was at the DNC. Harris herself never spoke of the incident, even though it was highly shocking and would have been a very powerful political weapon for her to wield against former President Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans. And Congress's special January 6th report never even mentions the alleged bomb, outside of a footnote. The January 6th Capitol riot was an embarrassment to us as a country. At the same time, it could have been easily avoided had Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell approved the National Guard troops that the Capitol Police Chief had requested. On January 3rd, I requested the assistance of the National Guard to support my perimeter and was denied by the two sergeant-at-arms over the concern for politics and optics. And the fact that they didn't is not just a mystery, but further evidence that there was a secret effort to, at a minimum, allow the riot to occur. Now, a newly released video shows Capitol Police and Secret Service officers behaving oddly relaxed after learning that there is a dangerous pipe bomb just a few feet away from them. They even allow a group of children to walk right by it. A former FBI agent says the so-called bombs look like government training devices, dummies, not real bombs. In fact, it's all much worse than that. The FBI released video of the suspect who planted the bomb. The person is on his cell phone. That means the data should have been available to the FBI. But it wasn't. Why? Well, according to the FBI official who was in charge of the investigation, the cell phone data was corrupted. The January 6th pipe bomb cover-up appears to be continuing. Folks, welcome to the Rob Manus Show live on Patriot.tv. You know, quoting ex-user and J6 political prisoner defendant Free State Will, he says in a couple of tweets, though it's only recently made news again, U.S. Capitol Police Assistant Chief Sean Gallagher told the J6 cover-up committee on January 11, 2022, that it was a member of the Capitol Police surveillance team that discovered the DNC pipe bomb. U.S. Capitol Police Deputy Chief Yogananda Pittman told the J6 unselect committee that the U.S. Capitol Police had their undercover surveillance teams deployed two days before January 6th and that they were getting bomb threats at 10 in the morning on January 6th, but she doesn't recall that Vice President-elect Kamala Harris was at the DNC. 
Well, these strange facts are being brought into sharper focus, and Kentucky Representative Tom Massey has been asking a lot of questions about these recently released videos that affirm why we, the American people, and our representatives like him should be questioning the pipe bomb facts. And he's here today to discuss the issue with me. Congressman Massey, welcome back to The Rob Manis Show, sir. Thank you, Colonel Manis, for having me on. Well, I guess, I guess my first question is, uh, why were these new videos held so long, even after Speaker Johnson approved more release? Because this would seem like, and you say it, in, I'm going to show another clip after our, our first commercial yeah. break that shows you questioning Benny Thompson. And you say it. I mean, she was almost killed, according to yeah. the narrative that's being told the American people. What's going well, on? The, the narrative is falling apart. And uh, the reason we're now three, over three years past when this event happened and we're just now getting this stuff out is, first and foremost, the Democrats kept all of this material for two years. They were in possession of it. So when we took the majority, my staff was able to go over and review these videos on a kiosk. And it was actually my staff who found that video that you showed there. And um, I worked very hard to try to get this released this summer. And uh, eventually, because we, we had Christopher Ray coming in front of the Judiciary Committee, and I wanted to show him that video, I was able to secure the release of that video when nothing else had been released. Uh, by Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy helped me get that video out. Now, a lot of people just didn't pay attention to it for a long time. But um, Darren Beatty at Revolver News kind of broke this story and, and wouldn't let it die. And so uh, I was able to have Stephen D'Antuano, the FBI assistant director who was in charge of the D.C. field office, I was able to have him in front of me in a transcribed interview that Jim Jordan set up you know, D'Antuano was the also that's the that was him right there on the screen. That's the the same guy who was in charge of the Michigan field office when we had the Governor uh, Whitmer fednapping episode, where there were more federal agents involved in the kidnapping plot than there were people who weren't associated with federal agents. Well, he moved from the uh, Michigan field office to the D.C. field office. He was also the person in charge, and he claims reluctantly so of the raid on Mar-a-Lago. But uh, because of all of those different things he was involved in, Jim Jordan had him come into the Judiciary Committee behind closed doors for a transcribed interview. This isn't one of those hearings that you see on TV that are sort of, uh, you know, theatrical. I just basically sat there for a long time and asked him questions. That's when I found out that the reason they say that they couldn't use cell phone data to geolocate this uh, suspect and then find out who the suspect was, D'Antuano told me that the cell phone data was corrupted. That was the first time we learned that. So um, that's, that's critical in all of this. That was, it was also the first time I got anybody from the FBI or DOJ or ATF to admit that a 60-minute kitchen timer can't set a bomb off 17 hours later. I presented that uh, to D'Antuano uh, and several other questions. So I think, you know, then I was able, because of Jim Jordan, I was able to release that transcript eventually, and p other people started putting these pieces together. It's there's so many improbable things here, uh, Rob. I don't know where you want to start. Like I could go on forever well, on a on a monologue, so I'll wait for your <laughs> well, prompt. Well, let's start. Let, 
I don't know if you remember or not, Congressman. Uh, we've known each other for a while, but but when I was yeah. a young enlisted man, I, my job was explosive ordnance disposal technician, bomb disposal technician. And one of the things that I did in those days, in the late 70s, early 80s, was train FBI agents because they didn't have their own real bomb disposal training uh, on how to approach improvised explosive devices. And that bomb, that device... Uh, that uh, with the kitchen timer on it looks very, very much like a standard training device that we would use. Uh, and uh, it explains a lot of things to me, but I've been tracking on this story as long as Beatty has. Julie Kelly's been tracking on it uh, and those kind of things. But aren't you just incredulous that the head of the operation, D'Antuano, uh even admits that the kitchen timer won't work for 17 hours later to detonate the device on January 6th when the whole story is based on that idea, isn't it? I mean, it is incredulous, but at least he was answering my questions or try to answer, trying to answer my questions. And, and I think he only did that because he's no longer at the FBI. He has since retired. And so typically we get these answers that say that's the subject of an ongoing investigation. And it's our longstanding policy not to comment on ongoing investigations. Now, that kind of crap is OK in front of your local TV news station when you're doing a press conference on an investigation. But it's not OK for an answer when you're giving it to a member of Congress who's on the committee, the Judiciary Committee, that oversees the operation and funding and even the creation of the FBI and the DOJ. So at least he was trying to answer them, but it's, it's funny when they start trying to answer the questions, that's when it becomes even more unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. You know, and back on my own experience, you know, I worked detached with the Secret Service during major presidential campaigns uh, uh, because they didn't have enough bomb disposal tech. So the military guys get the, attached to them and we look like them. And everything. So I know what their processes and procedures are for a sweep outside of a building where a principal is going to be. In this case, it was VP elect Kamala Harris at the DNC headquarters, uh, the way I understand it and what the facts show. Uh, uh, so uh, I have to believe that the Secret Service team, uh, which was people like me uh, in, in my day, uh, completely missed this thing that was out in the open. Uh, uh, underneath a bench is what it appears like. Uh, so I'm asked to believe that they completely missed it. Uh, and then well, with the new videos, you see an officer walk up to the thing and take a picture. You know, in those days, the process was if you find a device, the team that finds it is part of the protection team with the principal. You leave and you call local bomb disposal police officers. They set up what's called a cordon, you know it would be at least 500 feet uh, around there. But that's not what you see in the, photo, in, the, in the videos. You see this officer, I believe it's an officer, walk up to the device and take a picture of it. Did you ask him about that? I asked, I've asked a lot of questions and, and some of these are uh, it, not in transcribed interviews. Some of this is not released yet. I'm still on the, on the trail here. Um, you know, I can confirm that it was uh, a undercover uh, Capitol Police officer, actually a pair of them working together, who found that bomb, 
and who notified the Metro Police Department and the Secret Service detail who were parked outside in those two SUVs. Now, at first you might say, okay, good, it was a professional who found the bomb, not some passerby. And, but in reality, I, and I asked one of those two that work in that pair that found the bomb, I said, what did you tell the Secret Service and the police? Did you tell them, I think there might be something over there? Or did you tell them there's, there's a, you know, a device that could be a bomb right over there? And they told them it was a device just like the ones at the RNC that they thought was a bomb. And so that's really disturbing because if you watch temporally in this video, it's four solid minutes before they really get out of their car and respond to what they have been told by a fellow officer is a bomb. And in the video that you showed, you can see there are kids walking by that. And in the extended video from another camera angle that I've been able to see, that, that corridor or that cordon of, of uh, blocking off and keeping people from going through isn't established for, for quite another long time. And um, what's also disturbing, if you go back in time to that morning, you can see twice there was a bomb sniffing dog in front of the DNC that once it was sniffing a car that was going to go into that uh, parking structure there that's part of the DNC. And once mm -hmm. it was um, sniffing the actual perimeter. Now we can't see it in that camera frame, but we can see the dog coming uh, right from where the bomb is and then going back to where, right where the bomb was, right to the right of that uh, image that you see there. So if three things can't simultaneously be true, Colonel Manis. It can't be true that that bomb sniffing dog can find viable bombs while also true that there was a viable bomb there, while also true that that viable bomb was placed 17 hours earlier the night before. But those are the three things that the FBI and everybody is claiming here. I did ask some of the individuals involved in, uh, about the lackadaisical response, and uh, the answer to me was, well, you don't want to panic anybody. So you kind of got to move you know, <laughs> purposefully and slowly. I don't think f four minutes is an appropriate time to respond. I, b I believe the people in those two cruisers, those two SUVs were actually finishing their lunch. Because if you, if you back up in time, you can see they're taking their lunch into those vehicles and, th and that all happened around about 1 p.m. So I believe they got the message and they finished their lunch and then they said, well, now let's go check on the bomb. So it's either, Keystone cops, or there is something else involved here. Now, to another one of your points, you you know you mentioned that you were uh, involved in EOD work in the military. I'm told that is still the case that the Secret Service has a detail from the military that's assigned to them even today, and that expertise uh, resides within the Army. Now, maybe for bomb sniffing dogs, it may be the Air Force or some elsewhere. Uh, I'm, I've also been told, and I, and I would love to speak to those people that were had the dog that day and show them the video and ask them some questions and then also ask the, the detail that was responsible for responding to that uh, bomb case some questions. But the bomb itself was not sent to ATF, it was sent to Quantico. And so the FBI claims that the, the materials that are left over from the disposal of the bomb, by the way, it wasn't completely destroyed. They used one of those robots with like a, a water cannon or something to render it 
yeah. inoperable, if it ever was operable, and they claim that those bits are still at Quantico. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've got a. I've, I've got something to say about the tool they use, but just confirm for me before we go to this break. Uh, yeah. That the bomb dog is. They're saying it actually alerted on the device. No, no, no. Uh, okay. There, it obviously Sorry did not sure. alert on the device. What what yeah, I'm saying what is there a certain what I what I mean like one of these things can't be true, right? That the bomb that the dog is able to find bombs and there was a bomb there. Like those two things can't be true. So that this dog needs to be That's retired, cool. if if in fact there was a bomb there. But there may be some other people that need to be retired because it wasn't the dog's job to respond once a human found it. It was other human beings' jobs to to respond, and. Yeah. It, there's just so many fishy things here. Also, the timing of it. The first bomb was found five minutes before the breach at the at the uh, Capitol bike racks, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Why, and then this was found 15 minutes after the response to the first bomb. Another one of my questions, Colonel, is, um, w you know, when you found the second bomb, how hard did you look for the third bomb? Now, well, let's there, talk about it turns that out, answer after. Great. Let's talk about that yeah, answer okay. after this break. We'll be right back with Congressman Tom Massey and the J6 pipe bomb, uh, either debacle or cover up. Something's not right here. I'm Rob Manus at Patriot.tv Live. The world is about to shift. Banks are going cashless globally with the emergence of central bank digital currency which will bring with it programmable money and the ability to turn on or off your purchasing power based on your digital social profile. It's like the equivalent of spyware in your bank account. You need to get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 877-547-5743. That's 877-KIRK-PHD. you let me tie this back who was who is responsible on january 6th who was responsible for the health and well-being of the incoming vice president of the incoming, incoming this would be senator kamala harris at the time she was under the protection of them well was, obviously secret service correct the secret service so um where where was she on January sixth while all this was going on over at the Capitol? I don't know. Do you know there were pipe bombs allegedly present on January sixth? I know there were two pipe bombs, one at the Democratic uh, headquarters and one at the Republican. So you're in charge of the entire investigation of what happened on January sixth and what led up to January sixth. And you don't know that the vice president was in the D, the incoming vice president was in the DNC when that pipe bomb was sitting there. Do you, I, I, I don't, you know, we did not, our investigation was looking at the facts and circumstances. Uh, we knew that there were pipe bombs. Uh, we just, I'm sure, the evidence will say she was wherever she is, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get to your point. Okay. Well, my point is, 
if this bomb had gone off just a few feet from her, this could have been the worst assassination since JFK. Um, and I looked at your January 6th report, and I don't, I mean, can you tell me what you wrote about this pipe bomb and the fact that she was almost blown up that day? Welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show live on Patriot TV. And we're talking to that man right there, Congressman Thomas Massey from Kentucky, uh, who is, uh, uh, was releasing his staff, and he identified these videos that have caused the nude, uh, renewed uh, interest uh, in what's going on with the pipe bomb story from January 6th and how it's affected the overall narrative. Uh, you know, sir, uh, uh, I had to show that clip because it's just, mind-boggling to know that the chairman of the select committee, Benny Thompson, didn't have command of these facts, which, like you said, this would have been the biggest assassination since John F. Kennedy had, had it been real. Uh, but you know what? You know, you're going to ask some questions later, and I know you have about data and those kind of things, yeah. and I smell a rat is what I smell. I, I smell yeah. some kind of operation going on. Maybe it was a training situation that got out of hand and they decided to slip it into the narrative. I don't know, but I smell a rat. I, I, I smell something fishy. Maybe it's a rat, but let, let's back up for just a second and, and say why this is important and why a rat or a fish might be involved. It's because they used the presence of these two pipe bombs to get the indictments against the J6ers. They used it to heighten the, the, uh, the drama of that day and to say that this was an insurrection and it was used in the indictments. And um, now they've, they've totally dropped the ball on it. Now that it's no longer useful, the, the narrative is no longer useful. They haven't followed up on this investigation and, uh, you know, just jumping into a few more things. You know, there was basically uh, one little mention of the pipe bombs in that entire January 6th committee, select committee report. And what they said was that when the Capitol perimeter was breached, they made a call for more bike racks and the bike racks couldn't get to the Capitol because of the bomb at the DNC, the supposed pipe bomb at the DNC, all the kerfuffle there was keeping those bike racks from coming to the Capitol. So if there was a narrative that these pipe bombs were gonna create a distraction that would make it easier to uh, breach the Capitol, in fact, who, whoever wanted to advance that narrative, it, it turned out to be somewhat true because uh, according to the only mention of these pipe bombs in the January 6th committee report, they stopped these bike racks from coming over uh, when they decided they needed more of them. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, one of the other questions that you asked, though, uh, about this is about the Secret Service's missing text message data. You know, we know that, <laughs> I still don't believe this, but we know uh, that the, the cell phone data for the perp, uh, the you know, the perp that's seen on the videos that came out early, <laughs> FBI says it was corrupted and they couldn't do that. I still don't believe it. Uh, but so where what happened to the Secret Service's uh, text message data? Because things had to be flying through those phones during that time period leading up to and during this event at the DNC headquarters where Harris was at. Yeah, so I talked to the Inspector General for the Department of Homeland Security, met with him in my office, and he's the one who brought this to my attention. 
Now these Secret Service texts were interesting to a lot of people many years ago when they were trying to peg something on Trump. There was a claim that there was some wrestling match in a car with the Secret Service or something. And a lot of people claimed that the Secret Service texts would show this and they got deleted so the, to exonerate Trump. I think that was all just a sideshow because the reality is the Secret Service text did get deleted. They got deleted under Mayorkas. Mayorkas, you know, Secret Service used to be a Department of the Treasury, but after 9-11, they moved them under Department of Homeland Security. Mayorkas, the guy we just impeached in the House of Representatives, and that, that was the reason I had uh, Benny Thomas there in front of me, was that was in a, a rules committee hearing where we were talking about this impeachment. And I find it interesting that it, Mayorkas was in charge when these uh, Secret Service texts were deleted. All of them were deleted. And guess what? The phones have been destroyed. So there's virtually no hope of going, unless we talk to the NSA, of going back and finding um, any of that evidence of, the, of what was being texted back and forth when that bomb was found on January 6th. Now, now let me ask, maybe this is a somewhat naive question, uh, but uh, can't you subpoena the agents themselves that were working that area, and can't you subpoena the military working dog if it was a military dog? I mean, not all bomb dogs are with the military, uh, and the EOD techs, uh, military EOD techs that worked this situation, uh, isn't it possible to subpoena them and get them under oath to ask them direct questions about that to try to fill in the gaps? I, I believe it is, and that's those are the people we're going to have to talk to. Uh, I think we'll get the most information looking at the, the edges of this because when you go to the center of it, they're all still employed by the FBI, DOJ, Secret Service, and they'll try to say ongoing investigation. But the things that they claim that happened, we can investigate on the periphery. So, for instance, Stephen D'Antuano, Assistant Director of the FBI in charge of the D.C. field office, told me that data was corrupted. Okay, I want to... I want to find that out from the FBI, but if they won't tell me, and even if they did tell me, I want to go talk to the telecom provider. Show me your communications with the FBI. Those are the kind of things they can't say, oh, it's the subject of an ongoing investigation. No, that you're, you're a private company and you have information that's uh, relevant to our oversight of the FBI. So there are people that I want to talk to. There are some who I, I have talked to just in, a, you know, in, in meetings to help me figure out who are the people I need to talk to in a transcribed interview where they're sworn in and, and bound to tell the truth. Yeah, and, and you're probably one of the few congressmen, maybe the only one uh, that's in office right now that could look at a, a data set, uh, corrupted or not, and be able to pull information out of it uh, because of your background uh, in, uh, from MIT and those kind of places. So do you think, I, well, mean, I mean, they've got to well, have some version of a copy, right? If, if I'm not that person, I'm one step away from the only person on the planet who could do it. Like I went to school with the people who do that stuff. Uh, most of them are private contractors, to be honest. Uh, and, you know, they, the government can't afford to pay their salaries for the kind of, oh, you know, things that they can pull off. But, yeah, you know, that's, that's the kind of scrutiny that 
this deserves. I'm not sure because they won't tell us what level of scrutiny the FBI applied to this. I do know that a few weeks after the investigation started on the pipe bomb, they reduced the manpower on on the program significantly. I do know, we knew this from Kyle Serafin, who was uh, working for the FBI at the time, that there were leads that they were following that they just quit following. Yeah, that's very interesting uh, tie-in. Kyle has told me the same thing on my show, uh, that they just stopped following the lead, sir. You know, uh, and it, it's just incredible. Well, well Congressman Massey, before I let you go, uh, uh, and. And look, I'm not a conspiracy theory person. I don't buy it, but I but I'm also a facts person. And this fact pattern around these pipe bombs, I've been watching it the whole time uh, uh, from a professional perspective uh, of what I used to do uh, before I became a civilian. And the fact pattern just doesn't add up. Uh, what's the next steps to try to get to? The absolute truth, because it's not just important about because it was a vice president elect, uh, uh, you know, maybe attempted assassination. But the whole it was an insurrection narrative that that lawfare is being used to attack the leading opponent of the incumbent president of the United States right now in such a way that they're trying to get him out of the office or at least influence the election. Over a thousand people have been charged and it looks like uh, you know, up to 2000 by the end of this year, maybe charged, uh, over things that we have literally let thousands of people out of, uh, jail with, or not even taken them to jail, uh, if they were arrested, uh, for doing the very same things. Uh, and I'm not talking about violence and that kind of stuff. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, most of these people, yeah. uh, are guilty of exercising their rights to free speech. Uh, and uh, and being in the wrong place, apparently, and most of them didn't even know they were in the wrong place because the Capitol Police didn't even tell them after the fences and those kind of things were taken down. What's the way ahead on this? Well, you know, I'm on the Judiciary Committee. We have oversight over the FBI. I think they dropped the ball on this uh, if they, for one reason or another, either through acts of omission or commission. Within 36 hours of the Boston bombing, they had the perpetrators on videotape at a department store buying the pressure cookers, okay? We, we don't have that kind of response in this situation. I want to know why. I want to know which leads were dropped. Uh, did they exhaust all the avenues? And, and it is important because of, you know, January 6th is a day in our history. A lot of people have been put in prison, uh, many of them wrongly put in prison, and, and their sentence heightened by this notion that it was an insurrection and that there were weapons involved. Were the, these were the two most serious weapons that could have been involved if they were in fact operable. But common sense tells you they were not operable. So why did, why did the FBI maintain, and still to this day, except for a few transcribed interviews we have here and there, why is the public facing narrative that these were operable pipe bombs that were imminently going to go off uh, these are questions we need to get the answers to, and I, I believe that um, in the Judiciary Committee, I'll have the resources. I've talked to Jim Jordan about this. He supports, you know, finding out what happened here. Were these acts of omission or commission? Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. I know you spent a lot of time with us today, and your time's limited. Uh, uh, 
people know where to find you on X, I send them to the hashtag sassy with Massey all the time uh, because uh, you're trying to get the job done and get the facts out to the American people, which is what our mission here is to do. And thank you so much uh, for letting us do that. Yeah, follow me at at Rep Thomas Massey if you want to look at the longer uh, interviews that I did that, you know, or the one with Christopher Ray where I put him on the spot, uh, the one with the ATF director where I put him on the spot, Benny Thompson. I know we didn't have time to show all of it, but I would love for people to go watch this and help me put this story together. We need to crowdsource all of these facts. Absolutely right. And we're going to get it done, sir. Well, thank you so much. Uh, and folks, we got to go to our next commercial break, but we'll be right back at the Rob Mana Show live at Patriot.tv and continue this discussion with an independent observer of this very activity and this false narrative that are what appears to be of an insurrection on January 6th. We'll be right back. What if this happened to you when you're alone? Or what if it happened here? With MedGuard Alert, you're never alone. You can connect with medical professionals anywhere, anytime. And now MedGuard is introducing our exclusive new CareWatch. If you need help quickly, use it from anywhere to contact medical professionals. No cell phone required. The CareWatch is not only a life-saving medical alert device, it's a revolutionary health monitoring system that checks your blood pressure, heart rate, oxygen saturation, duration, and much more. And here's the best part. If you have Medicaid, you may qualify to get your care watch for free. The care watch is only available through MedGuard Alert. Call us right now. We have monitoring programs starting as low as a dollar a day. The call is free. Activation is free. Shipping is free. And no contract is required. Remember, with Medicaid, you may qualify to get your care watch for free. Don't wait. Call us to get your care watch right now. Operators are standing... Over the past few weeks, Americans have been finally seeing and learning about what was happening at the Democratic National Committee headquarters on January 6, 2021, and the circumstances surrounding the discovery of a pipe bomb at the DNC while then-Vice President-elect Kamala Harris was inside that building. Never-before-seen videos released by Representative Thomas Massey, Julie Kelly, and Blaze Media have provided more context about what was happening at the DNC just as the violence was beginning at the Capitol building only a couple of blocks away. Context, maybe, but no clear answers. In fact, the real questions are just now being asked as a result of these video disclosures. Welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show live here on Patriot.tv. And that man right there is uh, Steve Baker, uh, who I knew uh, originally as the pragmatic constitutionalist uh, and that independent observer who's really one of the three investigative journalists and the only one, I think, that was actually at the Capitol uh, that day on January 6th. Steve, welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show live, uh, recently uh, placed here on Patriot.tv, sir. Thanks uh, for having me again, Rob. I really appreciate it. Well, well, thanks for coming on. Uh, I know there's been some breaking news about you and uh, and what happened on January 6th, the last 24 hours. Can you give my audience an update real quick, if you can? I understand it's a legal issue, so if you can't, that's okay, too. 
Yeah, we, we're pretty open about what's been going on. This has been something that's been hanging over my head for two and a half years. I did an interview with yeah. the FBI back in um, uh, October of 21. They first co contacted me in July of that year looking for an interview. And that was specifically related to my own activities on January 6th. I was there as a uh, analyzer, as a uh, observer, a commentator, a writer. This is what I've been doing for 25 years. And I was there to cover the the rally. And you know, it's 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 a really interesting situation. And we're we're looking forward to see how they're going to try and handle this in court because I've never been a Trump supporter. I'm one of those guys. I'm a, I'm a libertarian, and I was there. Uh, to uh, do interviews with people after or if they quote unquote unleash the Kraken, if, if something about the election uh, was going to be revealed uh, that particular day, because basically this was their last chance if they were going to say something from this stage there at the ellipse. And they didn't. None of the speakers, including Mr. Trump, President Trump, he had anything to uh, news uh, worthy or new to share. And then, of course, the day transpired in a way that we weren't expecting at all. And and where the story went is where I followed the story. And the story eventually went inside the Capitol. I followed the story inside the Capitol, as did 60 other journalists that day, independent, credentialed, uncredentialed, stringers, part-timers, people that work for big news agencies, small um, uh, uh podcasts, that sort of thing. And I was one of those. And they unfortunately are not, um, uh, they're not, they're just, let's just say the scales of justice are not balanced right now because we're looking at selective prosecution for those of us who went in and reported or saw things differently than what the preferred narrative uh, is, you know, is required. If you wrote a story and the title of your story, like Luke Mogelson's from The New Yorker was um, Among the Insurrectionists, uh, well, that was the title of his story, then you got you get a get out of jail free card. But uh, if you're somebody like me who saw things differently, then probably not. Yeah, it's very unfortunate that we we live in a country now, Steve, that uh, where those words even come out of somebody's mouth that's a journalist. Uh, because that's what you are. Uh, you're a member of the press. Uh, there were over 60 members of the press, I think, that went into the Capitol. Uh, uh, before we jump into the pipe bomb cover-up, that's what I'm calling it now, uh, because I've seen enough evidence to convince me that that's what's happening with that. Uh, is there a, uh, do, you, do you need us to support you monetarily? Is there a Gibson Go account? Uh, I, I know uh, I've seen names uh, and handles on X of people that are probably on your team. Uh, but uh, uh, if we can help you in any way, where do folks need to go? I think we lost Steve right there, but uh, we'll re we'll get him reconnected and everything. And what we're going to talk about here with him uh, about the pipe bomb issue is he's done a lot of reporting uh, along with Julie Kelly and Darren Beatty, uh, Julie Kelly's independent, and Darren Beatty's of Revolver News. Uh, and, but Steve is the one that's uh, that's putting everything together, all the different videos and all the different aspects of it. And I wanted to talk to him about the devices themselves uh, uh, and uh, ask him if he's gotten any new information about that, because I have questions about whether those were actual devices or, or a, uh, known training devices, what they look like to me as a former uh, bomb disposal technician in the U.S. military, and those kind of things. Uh, the other big question that I know he has is about Vice President-elect 
at the time, Harris herself and the whole timeline, because it was a very, very long time from the time this pipe bomb device was discovered to the time uh, the vice president-elect uh, uh, protection team took the actions that would normally happen within seconds of something uh, like that. Uh, so I have some questions about anything that uh, he's been able to, if he's been able to find out uh, what's going on with that and what his thoughts are uh, as uh, one of the few people that's really done a deep dive uh, into all of the evidence. I'll tell you what, uh, let's go ahead and take a break, uh, Mr. Producer, uh, go to commercial break and see if we can get him back on the backside of that. I'm Rob Mays, Patriot. Experts say that Russian hackers found a way to hack our utilities, and the hackers may still be in there waiting to strike. Go after their power, go after their water, and you right. can bring a nation to its knees. They're identifying targets, they're positioning uh, malware so they could pull the trigger when they wanted to. Experts see the intrusion as a possible precursor to an unprecedented Russian cyber attack that could, in the event of war, <laughs> devastate the U.S. We know that China has been hacking everything they can and stealing our intellectual property. They want to take down America's economy. They want to take down our morale. They understand that if they can destroy our economy, they can destroy our future. We're at war. We've learned through the pandemic we can never be caught unprepared again. And so many Americans, when COVID hit, they had nothing in the house. Stores were shut down and, and doctor's offices were shut down. And even if doctors prescribed drugs, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, pharmacists wouldn't fill the prescriptions. That was a nightmare. Now the situation is much worse. We have these horrible supply chain problems. In our emergency medical kit at the wellness company, we have eight prescription drugs that are all potentially life-saving. Most people have died with COVID. They died in the hospital because they didn't receive early treatment. Every American family should have one of these. I can tell you the wellness company kit is the answer was there in the first place. Clearly something was missed. And then further, when you look at the timeline here, she arrived around 11.25 a.m. that day. The pipe bomb was not discovered until 1.06 p.m. She was evacuated at 1.14 through an alternate route far away from this pipe bomb, but still, she was inside the DNC for nearly two hours before she was evacuated, more than 90 minutes before the pipe bomb was even found. And why? After Welcome back to Patriot.TV Live, and we're working on getting our guest, Steve Baker of uh, Blaze Media, who is uh, the only independent journalist that uh, was actually in the uh, Capitol on January 6th, that's, that's really taken a deep dive into investigating uh, what's, what actually happened there, uh, and has helped uncover really the false narrative uh, of the insurrection, uh, because, uh, you know, and he's not even a Trump supporter. Uh, 
uh, he's a libertarian, and that's that's why I like to interview him about this stuff because he is responsible for putting so many facts out that has caused the narrative to crumble, uh, in spite of the government uh, people still wanting to prop it up, uh, and they're still charging people and those kinds of things. Uh, the narrative is actually crumbling in large part due to uh, this man and, and very, very few others. And and we broke the news uh, before we lost contact with him that he is, he is, after being threatened to be charged by DOJ for years now, he is finally threatened. Uh, they have finally charged him and he's going to have to report to the Dallas uh, 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 feds uh, here on Friday morning. Uh, and it's uh, very interesting that he, uh, he he's now finally being indicted for misdemeanors only. So, I mean, there could have been various ways for them to handle that instead of making him report uh, uh, like a, a criminal, you know, a felony, violent felon, those kind of things, which is essentially what's happening is from what I can tell. Anyway, uh, uh, he did. They're doing that after he he's the one that broke the story uh, about the Lazarus agent. Uh, lying on the stand in multiple January 6th political prisoner trials that have resulted in decades-long sentences and convictions uh, for things even like this seditious conspiracy false charge uh, that some people have been convicted on. Uh, so uh, it's very important uh, what happens with him, and uh, I look forward to seeing how his team handles that because he has said he will not take a plea deal. He will force the court to fully air all the information so that the truth of the story and the facts of the matter actually get out. Well, uh, we haven't gotten him back yet, so we're going to go over to the live audience on X-Spaces, but uh, the clip uh, coming into this segment, folks, set us up to show that Vice President-elect Harris was at the DNC headquarters when the pipe bomb was discovered. And normally when something like that happens, when a vice president or vice president-elect or president or president-elect is at that location, uh, they will uh, uh, immediately move the principal away within seconds of something like that being discovered. And then local forces come in to dispose of the bomb, render it safe, et cetera. And those kind of things, two hours went by before that happened in this case. So something's not right. Well, it looks like we've got Steve back. Uh, uh, Steve, welcome back to the show. Uh, and, uh, hey. you know, the, <laughs> hey man, this is live TV and it's cell phone technology these days. So uh, uh, right. who knows what's going to happen, but I appreciate your patience and getting back with us. So the big question that you have is the same one that I have uh, beyond the technical pieces of the device and how it was rendered safe. Uh, but the big question really is Vice President-elect Harris at the time. And uh, she's never even acknowledged anything like this uh, to do with the actual circumstances of where she was, what actions were taken uh, around this pipe bomb device at the DNC headquarters, has she? Right. No, she's never responded to anybody's questions about this, neither her, her staff, or any. discovery of uh, the fact that she was even there. They, they didn't learn of that until right out a year later. And I've spoken to the author of the, the article with uh, Politico who wrote that uh, and, and 
they did reach out to her staff. They were looking for comment. They wanted to know why she was there, who she was with, why she left the Capitol. Um, and they've never responded to Politico either. They just were able to finally verify and validate the fact that she was there. And then uh, you fast forward another two years till today, and then our spate of stories that have come out, then we're asking the same questions. And then, of course, that's being shared all over social media. And the, the Harris administration, the Harris staffers are not responding at all uh, to, the, to our questions. There's something very, very peculiar about this, as we know. I mean, first of all, let's just let's just get right to the obvious. When was the last time you ever saw a politician in a life-threatening or dangerous situation and they did not take advantage of that for political purposes? They didn't try to make political hay in any way. She didn't at all. And that's just highly un unusual. I mean, nobody and, I, and I'm not I'm not trying to uh, besmirch her because she's a Democrat or a leftist or, or whatever she is. The point is any politician on the left or the right would have made political hay out of the situation. And she's not only not done that, she still has never discussed one single time about the fact that she was actually at the DNC, much, like, much less just mere feet away from an alleged explosive device. That's a good point. You know, I mean, she's made even recently made speeches, uh, and I think I saw them on your website uh, uh, on X uh, that are very aggressive speeches about that day and the insurrection and all that. And never once has said they tried to kill me. You know, that kind of phrase, or or, or even acknowledged uh, this. And this is the as as Massey said in in his committee meeting, this would have been the biggest assassination if successful since John F. Kennedy uh, was assassinated as president of the United States already in office. So uh, it's very interesting. And that's why I, I've just uh, begun to call it a cover-up once this latest news that you guys broke uh, uh, was. But Steve, where where does this go? Because uh, this case and this particular uh, event has been used, as Massey said, uh, in court cases against January 6th defendants to up the charges, to up the sentencing again. when convicted and those kind of things. Yeah, and where, where it's going to go is much further because there's still a lot, there's still a lot of meat left on this uh, bone, Rob. There, there's, there's quite a bit of a story left to tell. The only reason that we're on hold right now and we have hit the pause button is because uh, we're working closely with the committees. Uh, obviously, Massey was talking about Jim Jordan's weaponization committee, which he sits on. But there, uh, of course, is the uh, subcommittee of, of the House administration of, on oversight that we're working closely with as well and developing the leads, developing the um, well, putting together the entire template, the, the, it's the pieces of the puzzle literally are being put together right now. And and sometimes you don't want to get ahead of what the investigators at Congress are doing. And and, and then because you don't want to you don't want to blindside them or take some potential witnesses out of the game with a news story that will cause them to clam up. And then we don't get anything. We don't get what we want, what we need. What we need is the entire truth out to the public and and. And look, there's no other way to say it. It's a painstaking process. And when you are working together 
with other investigators in this process, you, you have to coordinate. If you don't, you mess each other up and, and literally, with no pun intended, can explode the whole thing. And in this particular case, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle that are, are still need to be not only connected, we know where this is going to lead, to be honest with you, but um, uh, until, until we have all of them in the right place at the right time, it, it, we, we can't roll this out. Uh, can you confirm what I'm suspecting is that, that there will be a, a lot of justice uh, that may have been injustices, uh, but a lot of injustices turned into justice done on behalf of uh, so at least some of these January 6th political prisoners, hopefully? Rob, that's what we want so bad. I mean, look, I... I, I, I work for a media company now. I'm no longer solely independent. I work for the Blaze. And, you know, I, I spent most of my career as a as a self-employed independent. And, and now I'm working for a company. So I have uh, not only uh, I have to earn my paycheck and I have to um, I have to submit stories and I have to get scoops and that sort of thing. But I, the one thing that I'm not going to back off of is the primary thing that motivates me in this story. And that is to exonerate some of those who have been. And that is uh, what motivates me on this. And so I'm hoping to answer your question that we reach that point where we can make a big enough impact that that takes place. Well, thanks for answering that. I appreciate it. Well, we have a live audience that uh, gets to ask a question of uh, me or the guest uh, at least a few times a show. Uh, so I want to go over to the Spaces audience and, and take a question. We've got a hand up. Uh, Doc and Shell, I think Chris has got a hand up over there. Questions for Steve? Go ahead, Chris. I'm just curious. With in the two hours, you know you said they would have taken them out taking the vice president, president, whatever, out of there. I just don't feel like this was a real uh, pipe bomb. I think it was fake. And I just want to know what, you know, what you think and what will it do to help the J6ers? Well, I'm convinced that the pipe bombs were not viable. Uh, I, you know, do I have hands-on laboratory proof? No, but we do have direct um uh, confirmation from sources that tell us that it was in fact they or they were in fact not viable devices and that is the way I'm operating going forward is uh, is under that assumption and in terms of and in terms of how that's going to help other people what what's going to what has is going to help other people is is the entire truth rolling out and that's what the problem is. There's a reason why that the FBI has for three years maintained that these were viable devices. There's a reason why, which we don't know the answer to yet, that Kamala Harris has not talked about this in over three years. There's a reason why in so many other investigations into the January 6th um, uh, various events, characters, circumstances that were being stonewalled, were being slow rolled, were being uh, blocked, uh, and sometimes were being blocked by the highest authorities, people that are supposed to be interested in justice, the Department of Justice itself, uh, it's in their name, but they're not interested in justice. They're interested in maintaining a narrative and we have to pick away at it uh, one one piece of the puzzle at a time, as I said. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, you know, I'll just add my professional answer to that. I, 
I'm convinced those are training devices that I was familiar with even as a very young EOD technician in, in the U.S. military when we used to train local FBI agents and improvised explosive devices. It looks, it looks, without getting my hands on it, it looks exactly like training devices that we had had made across the services uh, to do that kind of training for the FBI back in the day before they had their own uh, bomb disposal type training set up. Uh, the other thing that I'm convinced about is the, the bomb dog did not alert on the device. Uh, and then the third piece, Steve, is that uh, you see the officer go with up to within just a few feet of that device and use a cell phone, which is emitting, you know, electromagnetic radiation to take a picture of it. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, with a real device, bomb disposal would not let anybody near a device like that, no matter what it looked like on the outside, whether, you know, because it looks like a it's a mechanical kitchen timer is what it is. But but that's, you know, uh, it's a common technique for terrorists to uh, put something like that on the outside, but the inner workings of the device are on the inside, and it's a completely different trigger or, or firing mechanism uh, than what you visibly see. Uh, so uh, uh, those three things lead me to believe that's why I'm using the term cover up now. Uh, whatever is happening, they're covering up the truth. And I'm so fortunate uh, and glad that we're fortunate enough to have men and women like you and women like Julie Kelly and men like Darren Beatty uh, who are who are on this story like a dog with a bone that won't let it go because it, it, it's very important in the interest of justice. It's important in the in the survival of the country because no country can survive with a with a uh, two tiered justice system uh, that goes after one side that's on the political on one political aisle differently than the other, uh, and that's what we see happening, especially uh, with your case, my friend. Uh, it's uh, one of those things. So that's that's where I'm at on it. Uh, quite honestly, uh, I, I'm surprised we still have to deal with this, uh, but we are uh, and. Uh, before we lost you the first time, I had asked you, if the, is there a website that folks can go to to help you? Do you need financial help? Uh, uh, I, my audience has, uh, has helped others uh, and donated financially to their defensive funds and those kinds of things. Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing or launching a dedicated um, uh, fundraising campaign for my legal defense. Uh, I'm, I'm very blessed and honored that my attorneys are uh, they they believe in this case so much that they're uh, every one of them. We have five or six guys on the team right now, and every one of them are are donating their time. They they're they're volunteering uh, volunteering their uh, their their time, their resources, their their skills, uh, their knowledge, and um, uh, out of you know real a real belief in that we have a case here worth defending and and presenting to not just the government, but to the American people. And as a result of that, um, I'm not going to be doing a, a formal fundraising. Now, I, I do obviously have additional expenses related to this, this idiocy that I'm having to live through right now, but uh, that can all be taken care of on my locals uh, page, my locals community, which is tpc4usa.com, tpc, the number four, usa.com, same handle uh, on my X account, tpc4usa, but they can go there and uh, they can get insider information. They can follow my case closer because behind my paywall, which is only $5 a month, I'm going to be 
giving a much closer inside look to my case as it develops and, and moves forward behind that paywall. So things that my attorneys won't let me say in public, I'll say behind the paywall if you get my drift. And then, um, uh, uh, but they can also make one-time don donations there as well. Well, thank you so much, sir. Uh, you're in our prayers. Uh, you know, the American people that understand what the facts are, are with you 100% will be following your case as it goes through the system. And one day, hopefully, we'll all be able to say it's actually a justice system again, instead of what yeah. a lot of us call it uh, these days. And there's various pejoratives that we use for that. Uh, but just know that we are with you. We'll be following up with you, uh, get you back on the show if, when there are any updates, if you can do it. Uh, and uh, God bless you. Keep up the great work, my friend. Keep up the great work. It's so critically important to the country. Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Steve Baker of The Blaze now. Uh, and uh, you got to follow him at TPC4USA on X. Go to the locals account and help him out. Well, uh, tomorrow's Truth Thursday. I'll be out uh, taking care of some family matters. Uh, retired Navy Commander Randy Arrington, the doctor, will be standing in and hosting for me. And we'll, he'll be talking about the five global war fronts we face with the author of the article, the same title, uh, retired Army Lieutenant Colonel Darren Gobb. So they'll see you tomorrow, and I'll see you next Monday on More War Mondays. And we're talking about a new assessment on whether China's going to take Taiwan by force. I'm Rob Manus at Patriot.tv.